0: What's going on, player profiler nation? It's Matty Kiwoom. Welcome to episode number three of Blue Chips. Today, we are talking all things transfer portal. I'm going to go ahead and break down about five or six players that I'm really excited to see in their new programs. Players that have hit the transfer portal and have recommitted to a new program. But before I do that, I want to give my initial thoughts, just kind of my non-emotional, just what I expect the transfer portal to bring to college football in the years forward. So let's get into all that right here on Blue Chips. So as I said, I'm going to start by just giving my thoughts on how I see the transfer portal impacting um, college football going forward. Cause what we've seen now uh, in probably the busiest year of the transfer portal is that uh, playing time early is a big deal for these recruits coming out of high school. Um, this is more of, this is kind of directed more. So I would say towards the quarterback position more than others, um, but it can be across the board that, going to your first school going into the NCAA to play college football the most important thing I think for a lot of these high-end recruits especially the five-star four-and-a-half-star quarterbacks is going to be playing time Uh, I think they're going to start gravitating now this is kind of where I see it going do I love it do I hate it that's not really what I want to get into Uh, it, it is what it is it's not going anywhere and what I just want to bring is my kind of thoughts and opinion on where it's going to go and what it's going to do to impact how we start, you know, scouting or uh, getting to know these future NFL players as early as even high school. You know, the 20, you know, if you're a frequent of 24 seven sports website, like I am, you always are there to look at recruits, recruiting profiles, things of that nature, as we just can, you know, try to really get as psychotic and as best and, and get as much knowledge as we can when it comes to dynasty football uh, and and the fantasy scape. But what I think is going to start happening, especially, like I said, with the five-star quarterback recruits, they are going to start gravitating towards the places that they are going to play day one. And that doesn't necessarily mean the big programs. I think the days of the big programs kind of stockpiling five stars are numbered. Um, Let's just look at the transfer portal this year. Dante Moore. Malik Murphy, big-time recruit going to Texas. Malachi Nelson, Ty Thompson. Um, These were all quarterbacks that when they – Kyle McCord. These were all four-and-a-half, five-star, blue-chip baby prospects. Cue the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. These blue-chip kids went to situations and they didn't play right away. Brock Vandegrift is another one. Five-star quarterback went to Georgia, lost the job, and now committed to Kentucky. And we're seeing uh, these big-time recruits having to transfer to lesser programs than where they initially committed, doing themselves, in my opinion, a disservice in terms of their overall career in college. Um, Malik Murphy's going from Texas to Duke. Malachi Nelson's going from USC to Boise State. Ty Thompson went from Oregon to Tulane. And what I think is going to start happening, Kyle McCord obviously went from uh, uh, Ohio State to Syracuse. Now there's a little bit of uh, ideas floating around that it's because they have a good schedule. And with the expansion of the NCAA playoffs, Syracuse could be a dark horse to get in. So it might be a little savvy move on McCord's part. But anyway, I think we're going to start seeing the inverse of these transfers. Uh, where the Malachi Nelsons go to Boise State, the you know uh, Malik Murphys go to Duke. These kids go to these smaller programs, um, play well, get on tape, put something on vinyl, and then go to the big time programs. Because these big time programs, I think what we're going to start seeing, which makes sense, is why develop a freshman when you can poach a, a junior. You know why develop uh, a five star freshman when you can get yourself a three-and-a-half star, but who's balled out at Western Kentucky. And that might be poised to take that next step in a bigger program. And the quarterbacks that uh, are see, we're kind of seeing this now, you know, you're Will Howard, who so we will talk about here in a little bit, going from Kansas State to Ohio State. Riley Leonard going from Duke to Notre Dame. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, with from Oklahoma. But that Dylan Gabriel's just been everywhere. Dylan Gabriel has been on five different teams. Uh, in college, he's really taken advantage of the portal. Um, Aiden Chili's uh, again. What the Oregon State played wasn't necessarily a big time recruit coming out. He was the number seven quarterback. He was a top sixty prospect. But now, after getting a couple years under his belt at Oregon State, and he didn't even play at Oregon State. Remember, DJU was there. But he, his whatever he was able to convey, whether it be at practices through his coaching staff, however, is now going to get him a chance to play at a Michigan State program that is hopefully on the rise after they made a coaching change this year. So, what I think and what I believe we'll start seeing is what that five star chose there. What that four and a half stars going where? Because they're going to be guaranteed playing time, and then they can transfer to these big programs get the inl the the uh you know the the image and likeness deals from these schools these boosters and kind of go up the ranks as opposed to worry about going down the ranks now dante Moore, he's kind of a confusing uh kind of a weird case he went from starting to ucla He's going to be probably the back of at oregon now we're talking about dan lanning uh, leaving going to bama so will he transfer again i don't know but that's not really the topic we're talking about but i guess it will if- kind of pertain to it since we are talking transfer portal. But yeah, I just I think that we're gonna see a shift in how five stars go about recruiting where they're gonna want a lot of PT from jump, a lot of power with their prospective position from day one so that they can start to produce, start to put things on wax, and then go to the predominant, the dominant programs and be guaranteed playing time there as opposed to being a Malik Murphy who went to a college that had Quinn Ewers and then recruited Arch Manning or Kyle McCord who's had to deal with uh, C.J. Stroud, wins the job, doesn't do well enough even though he had a pretty solid year. He kind of gets pushed out for Will Howard. So it's these weird kind of situations where five stars are probably going to be better off going to a lesser dominant program to be dominant at that school and then handpick their big time program when they go into their sophomore junior senior year. So that's that's kind of where I see this going. I don't hate it personally. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I know it's annoying for <clears throat> the college football purists to see stuff like this happening, but I think in terms of covering it the the the, the sport of college football, covering fantasy and draft stuff like we do, you know, player play a profile, it's just gonna make for a lot of fun. It's just more transactions, more change, more rapid pace. It's just going to lead to a lot of fun aspects, in my opinion, when it comes to um, you know college football in general and the transfer portal. So that's some overall thoughts. Now I want to get into uh, one, two, three, four, five players. Uh, talking about really two, prog- two programs, but five players that I'm really excited to, to see uh, uh, in the 2024 campaign. But before we do, I want you guys head home, well, you blue chippers, to know
1: about the Dynasty Dominator. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add Titan Premium. It's incredible. Because it allows you to look up players, it allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer, so you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win now team, this is a rebuilding team, and then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side-by-side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's 5 bucks in the App Store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing. And it's going to be well worth it.
0: Matticum here, Blue Chips, Episode 3. We talked about my overall thoughts when it comes to the transfer portal. Now we're going to break down a handful of players that I'm really, really excited to see in their new stops, their new programs, as Nick Saban used to call it. And shout-out to Nick Saban for a great career, one of the best of all time in terms of the sport of football, the best college coach I've ever seen, well, created one of the most dominant programs in, in the sports history. So shout-out to your retirement. Good luck in your next endeavors. Uh, the grandpa stage, from what I hear, is the best. So enjoy it, Mr. Saban. First guy I would like to talk about, He's the only guy not going to Georgia or OSU. I want to talk about Juice Wells. Juice Wells is 6'1", 207 pounds. He's going into his, uh, his senior year. He's a wide receiver. Uh, this will be his third school uh, throughout his college career. But this transfer is going to lead him from South Carolina to Ole Miss. He's going to stay in the SEC. Again, with Lane Kiffin being rumored to Bama, who knows? how this transfer portal will end up playing out. But as of now, he is committed to play for the Rebels over at Ole Miss. Last year in 2023, uh, he didn't play a whole lot. He only played three games. He had a foot injury. So I'm going to talk a lot about his 2022 campaign. He had 914 receiving yards. Um, He led South Carolina in targets. He had a 38.3 target share. Uh, Big number there. Uh, He had a 2.48 yards per route run. So when we look under the hood, we see a kid who's getting targeted. Um, the number one wide receiver on his team, and he was uh, producing with a a pretty high yards per route run. Um, Xavier Leggett, who will be the first, second round receiver coming from South Carolina this year, was hurt. He was not, uh, he didn't play in 2022. He was hurt. So this will open the door for Juice Wells to truly, uh, step in and be, uh, uh, the wide receiver one for this team. Um, South Carolina. So when I watch him on tape, I see a player. He's one of those QB. He's a he's friendly to QBs. Uh, he plays inside, outside. He's about sixty percent on the outside, about thirty or forty percent on the inside at the slot. So he's a bit versatile in where he can line up. He he runs good routes to the to the pylon. I mean to the sidelines. He's also not afraid to go over the middle. Um, he's about a nine A dot type of receiver. So we're not talking about a super downfield th- uh, threat type. We're seeing a player that, um, again, is very QB friendly in that he can find pockets, find holes in the defense, um, and really show display some strong hands. Uh, really, really good at at securing the catch. So I, I like what I see from Juice Wells. He's in my um, my rankings for 2025. Uh, Let me pull that up actually, real quick, of where I have him in my 25 class. Uh, The corners, my cornerstone rankings over at patreon.com forward slash executives. You can catch that out there. I got Wells as my uh, fifth receiver next year. He is my number 20 receiver overall when I do my cornerstone rankings, which is 2023, 24, and 25. So I have him above names like. Uh Tez Walker was coming out this year, Josh Downs, uh Marvin Mims, who's came out last year, Michael Wilson who came out last year. So I do like what I see. And I'm also going to drop this today. This is going to be new. So blue chippers sit back. I have some news to announce. Um, I've been developing a way to display or a way to convey uh what I see out of these players and who I want to comp them to play stylistically. Um and the problem is, is I'm I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I'm you know, a one scout, like I know football, like the back of my hand, like I know uh, all the techniques and the the strategies and the winning points and uh, all the, I, I can't pretend like that is exactly what I know. yet. I'm still really green in the scouting department in learning how to kind of project and um, scout essentially these guys that are going to be in the NFL soon. Um so I've been trying to come up with a way I can display my comps that I want to go deep cuts and be super, super accurate. Truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, I think for our listeners and the people who follow me and the way I talk football in general, it doesn't make sense for me to take these deep, deep cut receivers, these receivers that you may not remember, these receivers who didn't amount anything. I want to use the guys you know, the players that mean something. If I say he looks like this guy, you'll know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to use good players even when I don't believe that they are uh, exactly carbon copies or could reach the levels that they've reached in the NFL. So basically my working play style comp that I will give for all these guys and anyone else going forward, this is how it will go. It will be the, the player I see when I watch them. And then I have a one through five scale from very low, low, medium, high, very high, and the word I'm going to use is projectability. Projectability is a term that's frequently used in baseball, and what it means is when I see a player, he reminds me of this guy in the NFL, how much do I have to project for him to get there? Now, very high would be he's got a lot of things to do to get there. There's a lot of things that have to bounce right. Um, And then very low would be he's him. This is exactly what I see. This is exactly what I expect him to do in the NFL. Uh, Because sometimes, like, for instance, when we get to Will Howard, I'm going to drop my comp, and you be like, you you think he's going to do that? It's like, well, when this guy came in the league, he wasn't necessarily doing the things he's doing now. There was a lot of projectability to his profile. So it'll be the player of the style that I see most likely, and then I will give a one-to-five scale using very low to very high projectability. So the working play style comp that I have for Juice Wells is Chris Godwin. And I give it a, a two, a low projectability. I think he could be Chris Godwin from draft capital to production to his role in, in the NFL. I really see a lot of Chris Godwin, very similar size at 6'1", 10, very QB friendly, uh, a guy that can win on the outside, a guy that can win on the inside. He can get open for his quarterback when needed, a guy who is a capable of carrying large volume. Uh, so my, I think that the, Chris Godwin is a very good comp for Juice Wells. And as far as the transferring um, from SC to Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, he's a quarterback at um, Ole Miss. And from what I've seen of Jackson Dart, he is going to be good enough to keep Juice Wells um, high on the the receiver lists uh, heading into next year and throughout the year. He's good enough to keep Juice Wells really, really exciting in 2024. Uh, so, um, I like the combination. I think it was a good decision for him to go to Ole Miss. Um, he has a chance to be really, really competitive now in the SEC as opposed to just being in the SEC. So, Juice Wells, great spot. I like what I've seen out of Juice Wells. Very, very excited to see him next year and beyond. These next two players transferred to Georgia. So there's two Georgia transfers that I'd like to talk about here. First one is not Travis Etn, but his brother Trevor Etn. He's 5'9, 213. Going into his junior year, he's a running back. He went from Florida to Georgia, Florida Georgia line. That's what I like. So in his two years at Florida, he averaged 737 and a half rushing yards, uh, which is not bad. It's not great, but. I don't necessarily think it's his fault. His averages are pretty good. He was pretty efficient. But the thing is, he never led the team in rush attempts. Never. Not in his first two years. Um, so the transfer does make it does make a bit of sense that he's gonna head over to Georgia. What I do like out of his uh statistical profile is he's shown, at least statistically, that he's improved in the passing game, that he's gotten better. Uh, in the passing attack, he went from nine receptions in 2022 to 21 receptions in 23. And again, um, my entry level to be excited for receiving prowess is 20 receptions. And then it climbs from there. So he's just over that mark to be like, "Huh, OK, uh, it's not terrible. 21 receptions, 2023 is pretty good. And a little fun fact about Mr. ETN. He's caught 100 percent of his college targets. Uh, he had nine targets, caught all nine. In 2022, had 21 targets last year and caught all 21. So I think that shows he's pretty sure-handed. I mean, he's not catching deep balls. There's probably a lot of screens or whatnot. But at the same time, it's showing that he's reliable, and I like uh, uh, I like reliability out of my prospects. I don't again. I'm green. I ain't trying to have to reach too far. These arms only go so far. I can't reach too much. Uh, but he's got a really low center of gravity. He's a bit of a wrecking ball. When you watch him on tape, his miss tackles uh, force per carry aren't particularly high because I didn't want to go just he only at 35 evaded tackles, which doesn't really rank high up the list. For instance, in the number one Taj Brooks, who is uh, going to be uh, very, very high in my ranks for 2025 running backs. He had uh, over 90, I think it was, at Texas Tech. So 35 to 90, big difference. So I wanted to look at the carries because he only had, uh, it was like 170 carries this year at Florida. But even when you uh, average it out, it wasn't necessarily, uh, it didn't get me super excited. It wasn't like, oh, shit, this guy does it all the time. He's so hard to tackle. So I'm not going to say he's hard to tackle, but he does bounce off guys because at 5'9", 213, he's shorter, but he's got over that 200-pound threshold, and he looks like a wrecking ball. He looks uh, <laughs> like he looks like he's tough to tackle. He looks like a, a nightmare when it comes to um, – bringing down when he gets ahead of steam and he's really kind of running downhill, barreling uh, uh, forward for, for, for a big gain. Uh, but I, I think when I watch him and when I've kind of taken all the factors, yeah, I don't think he has the ceiling of his brother, Travis. Uh, Travis Etienne was, you know, a, a bigger high school crew, a better high school recruit, had 1600 total yards as a sophomore at Clemson was a national champion. Uh, the, the, the pedigree, the resume, um and probably the skill set overall is going to always lean Travis but I don't think that means Trevor's bad. I don't think it means Trevor's bad. I like what I see when I watch Trevor uh ETN play. Um when you see the the, the height you're immediately like, ah, he's a short guy," but he runs kind of mean. And remember Kenneth Walker's 5-9. Kenneth Walker ran mean. Kenneth Walker took some time to develop in college. I'm not calling him Trevor. I'm not calling Trevor Etienne Kenneth Walker, but I do think it's it's important for us to not discount Etienne because he was only a three star recruit, because he he was never the lead back at Florida, Um, but at, at Georgia, Georgia, we'll see how he's used. See the thing about Georgia that's tough for running backs is that they typically go with a split backfield, and he is projected to split carries with Branson Robinson, who redshirted in 2023, showed promise as a freshman in 2022. So I don't think ETN comes in as the bell cow by any stretch. I think we're looking at a 50-50, kind of see how it scales off between the two. So I don't love that he went to another spot. That he's not necessarily going to get more touches because I want to see what he gets. Because his best game at floor is when he had 23 rush attempts. He had over 170 yards or 120, for sure, over 120, might have been 100, but he had 23 carries and he went berserk. And when you look at it, at a lot of his games, he's pretty efficient. But as we know with running backs, Sometimes it's the rhythm of the game, and as they get more and more touches, they can get better and better within the game goes on. And I wanted to see that out of ETN. I don't think we'll see that at Georgia, but what we will see is a professional offensive line, a professional NFL type of offense, uh, and we'll see him in big games. So the exposure at Georgia makes the transfer uh, a really, really good decision on his part. In my working play style comp is Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, but I'm going to give that a four. That's a high projectability. There's a I don't think he'll get the draft capital. You know, Maurice Jones-Drew in the second round. Maurice Jones-Drew had multiple seasons at UCLA over 1,000 yards. So I'm really projecting here. This is not a, a, a good, uh, or I should say an apt thing to be excited about. I'm not calling him the next Maurice Jones-Drew. But when I see him play stylistically, I see a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew at UCLA. But again, with high projectability. And the other guy, Georgia, that I'm going to talk about is a wide receiver. London Humphreys. London Humphreys is 6'3, 190 pounds. He's going into his sophomore year, uh, and he's a wide receiver. He's going from Vanderbilt to Georgia. Now, Georgia's going to be graduating La- uh, Lad McConkey this year. There is, I'm not going to say a, a wide open path to being the wide receiver one at Georgia, but I do think there's a better path to him being a more impactful uh, nationally type of receiver over at Georgia. Last year as a freshman, a true freshman at Vanderbilt, he had 429 receiving yards, but he was third on his team in targets. Um, Team really wasn't a big passing attack. Will Shepard, who is a prospect that we'll get to know uh, throughout the 2024 season and for the 2025 draft, uh, he led the team in targets, led the team receiving yards, and he only had like 600 receiving yards. So this team was not a pass-happy attack. It wasn't all that uh, gunner wasn't running gun. It wasn't chucking up. It wasn't spread. It wasn't much fun, which probably is why London decided to transfer to Georgia. But uh, there is, of course, the red flag that he was third of the team at Target's uh, for a team, even though it wasn't a big pass attack. But I'm excited to see him uh, at Georgia, and here's why. The reason he was – or the way he was used at Vanderbilt, he was primarily a downfield threat, and he was pretty good at it. Uh, 16.8 in and a 2.02 yards per hour run, which did lead the wide receiver group. So I do think he is probably the most talented of the wide receivers at Vanderbilt, and he does look fast. He was a track athlete in high school – when you watch his tape, his highlights are all downfield catches. The rest of his tape is downfield throws. Uh, like I said, 16.8 dot led the team. It was a downfield type of thing. And now at Georgia, he will be competing with Dylan Bell for the Z receiver role. Uh, and Bell's fine. I, I don't see uh, Bell being a uh, a complete mountain of an obstacle for Humphreys to climb um, to be. Uh, good to be impactful to be uh, a target guy or a guy that gets more targets I should say at Georgia than he was at Vanderbilt Um the working I had the hardest time of all the guys that I'm talking about today I, the, Humphreys was the guy I had the hardest time putting a comp to um because when you watch him play he looks like Detroit Jameson Williams uh, and when you look at Jameson Williams' 2023 season, 16-point, I think it was two, a dot. number three on the team in targets, really just a downfield threat, and that's kind of how he was used. So my play style comp uh, is Detroit Jameson Williams, but I'm going to go high to four and a half, so high, very high projectability. I don't know if that's going to be – I'm really, really forecasting that comp – if he gets more targets, if he becomes a more reliable option for Carson Beck and the Georgia Bulldogs, I think his playstyle comp could morph into an Eric Decker. Uh, because if you remember, Eric Decker uh, was a downfield guy, but as he got a little bit older in the NFL, he became a reliable red zone guy, a high touchdown guy. Um, someone like a Cortland Sutton that we're seeing now. And he's got the same size as Decker. He's a little bit thinner than Decker. But when you watch him on tape, he doesn't look thin. He doesn't look like Martavis Bryant. He doesn't look skinny. He doesn't look like Jay, uh, uh, Jonathan Franklin. Why am I James Jonathan Franklin? Why is he from Oregon? He doesn't look. Thin. He doesn't look like Jalen Hyatt. He looks like a guy who's going to start putting on some muscle. Again, he's only going into his sophomore year. So as of right now, my working play style comp is De- Detroit Jameson Williams. But again, very high projectability there, uh, and I could see that morphing into something else as I get more um, familiar with Landon Humphreys. The next school that we're going to talk about for these last two players on today's show are transferring to Ohio State. They're going to the Buckeyes uh football program and I just want to say one thing about this team in general Ohio State I have my gut my gut is telling me weird things it's just kind of I don't know I'm getting a little kooky maybe I'm putting maybe I should put my tinfoil hat on I don't know but we just got news yesterday yesterday that Denzel Burks a cornerback who's probably a top 45 top 50 pick in the NFL at worst Uh, He's going back to school. We got news this morning as I'm recording it. You're you're seeing this on Friday, but I'm recording on Thursday. A Buka going back to school. Um, (laughs) Marvin Harrison Jr. yet to declare. Travion Henderson yet to declare. Um, And we'll get into why Travion Henderson not declaring is the weirdest thing to me and why I think that. His decision is truly the biggest that we will see of the teams of OSU in 2024 in terms of the NFL declaration and whatnot. Because one guy that I want to talk about here, the first guy I want to talk about transferring to Ohio State is Quinshawn Judkins. Yes, Quinshawn Judkins surprised the college football world by deciding to transfer from Ole Miss to Ohio State. He's 5'11", 210 pounds going into his junior year. He was only a three-star recruit. But now he was the fourth-best player in the transfer portal period, according to 24-7 Sports. Like, Quinchon Junkins is on everyone's radar. He has been a beast at Ole Miss. Uh, in two seasons for the Rebels, 2,727 2, rushing yards, 281 receiving yards, 34 total, total touchdowns at Ole Miss. He's been uber-uber-productive for this team and last year alone he was he had 22 receptions so he's now over that threshold for pass catching patch, pass catching prowess and he was fourth uh in innovative tackles in the nation so he was good at shaking defenders off and he's a good player <coughs> a really good player a player that would push a guy like even like Trayvon Henderson aside <coughs> excuse me and that's why the decision, to my opinion, is so important when it comes to Trayvon Henderson. Because if Trayvon Henderson decides to go back to school, and remember, he was the guy at first that was rumored to go back. This was before uh, Emeka Ibuka had the the <coughs> excuse me the the rumors swirling that he was going to go back and be a Buckeye for one last year. Which I do think Ibuka, I love him as a prospect, my number four prospect in twenty four class. But he's now going to have to be pushed back. The 25 class, he's he's pulling the Chris Olave move. I got to give it to him. Had a little bit of injuries down year in 2023. So I, uh, 20, yeah, so I think this next year, 2024 season, will be a, a baller of a season, especially with this team. But if Henderson decides to go back, you could throw away all logic. You could throw away all logic when it comes to the program because logically it would only make some, it makes sense for him to go to the NFL. Why be potentially second fiddle? to a guy like Quinshawn Judkins, when you can go to the NFL and be probably the second or third running back taken in the draft. Um, so if he goes back, if the decision from Henderson is that he wants to go back, we may see a situation where they all go back because they don't want to lose in Michigan again. They want to win a national championship before they leave. And that includes Marvin Harrison. People. Start preparing for a draft class that does not involve Marvin Harrison. Now, I know everyone's saying that's crazy. He's a top three pick. Of course, he's coming out. And I do agree. I would probably put it at 82%. I believe he's going in into the draft. He's going to be a pro. But 82% is not 100. And I'm starting to think, you know, these kids who are making money in college now, they care a little bit more. About winning, leaving their legacy behind, not losing to Michigan every single year that they've been in college, making a run at the national championship that they didn't get to do this past year, especially losing to Missouri uh, in their bowl game. Could it be happening? I don't know. But again, we're talking Quintron Judkins here. This is Transfer Portal Day. This I just had to get it off my chest. Um, I've said it a few different places, but I gotta say it to my blue chippers. Gotta say it to my blue chippers. Uh, and when I when I look at uh Quinchan Judkins on tape, my working play style comp is Isaiah Pacheco. And I have a very low projectability because I think he'll get better draft capital. Um, I don't know if he will have as good of a 40 time as Pacheco. He might not have the up the, the high-end speed that Pacheco has, but when he runs, I mean, at 5'11, 210, he looks like Isaiah Pacheco, he runs vicious, he runs mean, he looks like he's mad at the ground. Each step makes the earth go, ooh, ah, ah. Junkins, very low probability to Isaiah Pacheco, so I believe that Isaiah Pacheco's the floor because I do think he'll get better um, draft capital. I think he will have more hype. He is a bigger prospect. He comes from the SEC. So I do think that my, st- my play style is Isaiah Pacheco, but very, very low projectability needed for that one. The last guy that I'm going to talk about today is someone I really did not know a whole lot about, but I have dove into quite a bit, and I'm actually going to dive into even more so because this prospect is – he's an enigma. He's head-scratcher, he's potentially great. Uh, I'm talking about Will Howard. Will Howard, 6'5", 242 pounds. Say that again. Let me say it on my chest. 6'5", 242 pounds. He is a mountain of a man. But what he is not is a prolific producer at the college level. Last year in 2023, he had 2,643 passing yards, which is below guys like J.J. McCarthy, who is routinely getting knocked for not throwing the ball enough. That was less than DJU, who's always been kind of talked about as an underwhelmer. And then he threw 24 touchdowns, 10 picks. Now you might be saying, 10 picks? You know, that could be fluky. Nope, nope. He has accuracy issues. Uh, His best season, and he's been in college for four years. Um. His best season was 61.3% completion percentage. That was last year. Not good. Not good at all. Um, But he's got a tremendous opportunity at Ohio State. I understand why Ohio State decided to make him their guy, brought him in to be the quarterback that they hope can get them over the Michigan hump and then fight for a national title because – my working play style comp for him is Josh Allen. Now I will say it's a five, very high projectability, but Josh Allen had accuracy problems at Wyoming. Josh Allen did not get a chance to lead an OSU Buckeye offense that will get national recognition, that will get all the hype in the world. Um, Josh Allen was a project coming into college coming from college. Monster of a man. Canon mobile, like I said, very high projectability on this comp. But it's tough to not see Josh Allen when you watch Will Howard play at 6'5, 242 pounds. Oh, Excuse me, 6'5, 242 pounds. Big kid. And last year, uh, he did run for 364 yards. Um, Will Josh Allen did have a 500 ru- yard, a 500 plus rushing yard season at Wyoming and has had multiple 700 yard rushing seasons at uh in buffalo so i do think that again i am projecting a ton here when i give him this comp i don't think he's going to be as athletic as a josh allen but he can move he could throw the ball far there are moments there in his tape where you go wow one an arm but again accuracy is such an issue but he's going to be throwing at mechic Buka. he's going to be throwing to the best wide receiver in the class smith he is potentially throwing to marvin harrison jr He's going to be having Quinshawn Judkins or Travion Henderson or both in his backfield. He's going to be surrounded with weapons that he has never been able to play with his best you know, teammate was probably Deuce Vaughn over the course of his career. And I love me some Deuce Vaughn at KSU, but it's not what he's going to have uh, at Ohio State. And if I didn't say it, he is going from Kansas State over to Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State is bringing him in to be their quarterback for 2024 a lot. A lot, lot, a lot can happen there, and a lot of potential can be seized. I'd say by Will Howard, given his athleticism, his frame. If he can be better at, if he can be more accurate, if he can be the playmaker, he could be a potential first-round pick. Because the 2025 class at quarterback right now is not all that. The picture is not clear. Is J.J. going to be there? J.J. McCarthy is going to go back to school. I think he should because the 2024 class is loaded at quarterback next year. We're talking about D.J.U. if he can resurge. We're talking about J.J. McCarthy, Drew Aller. If he uh, decides to come out, Drew Aller, which is another Josh Allen type of comp, and if, uh, uh, Jalen Milrow. You know, there's only a handful, Shador Sanders. There's only a handful that are going to be the anointed few. That could potentially be, you know, the the first quarterback selected, and I think that this decision by Will Howard puts him in the conversation. Uh, that if he can, you know, play well in national uh, on the national scale, be in the public eye at this size with this athleticism and win these games that they have not been winning, that's how he puts himself on the map. That's how he makes himself a potential first round pick in the NFL because the NFL loves projectability and so do I. Uh, But that's going to be today's episode of Blue Chips. Thank you guys so much for rocking with me, my Blue Chippers out there. Um, We're going to keep this thing going. Over the next two weeks, we are going to be breaking down the Senior Bowl ahead of Jason and I heading out to Mobile, Alabama and check out the Senior Bowl. Oh, my God Jim Nagy, I got to give if I see him and he allows it I to give him the biggest handshake in the hell I might give him a hug because he what he's developing down there in terms of a hub for football people to come to and congregate to watch the next crop of NFL talent is just it's fantastic and this year's senior bowl is going to be unreal Nick Spencer Rattler, uh, I'm just just excited to see those guys play quarterback. I hope Michael Penix goes because I want to see Penix versus Knicks. I want to see that competition because that's where I think those two are tiered out in my quarterback ranks but Xavier Leggett's going to be down there. I mean, it's just so, so star studded. I'm missing so many guys that I'm excited to see. And I'm also excited to see running backs like uh, Rasheen Ali, Dylan Lobb. Like, there are just so many players down there that I'm very, very excited to see. So, over the next two episodes of the Blue Chips, we'll be breaking down um, a little bit of preview, a little bit of senior bowl preview on Blue Chips. So, just want to get you ready for that. I'm Maddie Kewoom. You can get me on X at Maddie Keewum. Uh, the game plan. And trade gods are in a bit of hiatus, but they will be back before you know it. Future cast just dropped with Ian Miller from the Thirty Thirteen. We did a 1QB, two-round uh, uh, mock, rookie mock. So check that out with me and the OG, Theo Gremminger. And, of course, head over to the Executives of Fantasy Football YouTube channel. Like, subscribe to those videos. Hurdle every Tuesday, Wednesday. The playoff watch-along will be restarting. That's with me and Cody Carpentier. Uh, and then go over to Patreon.com if you just can't get enough of my analysis. Patreon.com forward slash executives. You can pick that up here. And don't forget to like this video. Subscribe to the Play Profile YouTube channel. Maybe Leave yourself a comment. I will get back to it. But I'm Matty Kewoom. I will see you next time. Peace. <gasps>